Thanks for checking out the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. This week, our message comes to us from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff. Have a listen. Amen. Today, we are um, not going to be starting my new series, but uh, soon. Today, I want to talk to you about spiritual famine, spiritual famine. We're, we'll be starting our... Um, we're starting a new series. Next week, Pastor Jordan is going to be speaking, and then the week after that is uh, the beginning of our new series called The Always God, and looking forward to getting into that with you. God is always doing things, always doing stuff. Did you know that? He's always speaking. He's always hearing. He's always pursuing. He's, he's the always God, and so we're going to get into uh, that series, which will lead us into Easter, we're, we'll uh, do a little, um, a few sermons, obviously, on the Easter theme, and then uh, we're going to be heading into a new series right after Easter, after that, called uh, The Return of the King, and we're going to be looking at some passages uh, uh, in um, Revelation and all over the place. So uh, I, I got it all laid out, and I'm excited, but before we get there, I wanted to share uh, this sermon with you today. Um, I think this was kind of inspired. I was reading something by uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, and uh, I appreciate his writings uh, very much. And he, he says a lot of really interesting things. And he was talking about uh, spiritual famine and looking at different passages. And it just inspired me um, a while ago to, uh, to just um, uh, share with you my own thoughts on it. Um, Amos. How many of you ever read the book of Amos? Steve does. <laughs> all right. And Indy, Indy said he put his hand up. All right. So I wanted to share with you two verses to get us started today from Amos. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12 says this The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Interesting, really interesting verses. The prophet Amos was a shepherd, if you didn't know. He lived approximately 700, maybe 750 years prior to the birth of Jesus. And during his time, uh, Israel was actually doing quite well financially. They were prospering. Um, they were, uh, on the outside, everything was going wonderful. They, there was no famine. There was no enemies. There was no big, big hassle going on. They, they seemed to be doing well. But uh, the Lord kept speaking to Amos about this particular uh, issue, that Israel seems to be doing well financially. They look fine on the outside, but they were actually spiritually bankrupt on the inside. He goes to talk, he, he says, you're apathetic, you're indifferent, you're, you're, you're confused, you're materialistic, you're refusing to listen. In fact, they said when Amos started coming around and started talking, they, they actually refused to listen to any word of correction that he wanted to bring to the people. Um, in fact, in chapter 7, they actually said to him, please just be quiet. Some versions of the Bible say, just shut up. That's what they said to him. Just be quiet. We 
do not want to hear what you have to say. In fact, they, they go on to say, just don't bother us. Stop bothering us with your prophecies. We are not interested. In fact, they said, your words are actually intolerable to our ears. That's why God says, you think you look fine and everything is well. You've got food on the table and and money in your pocket, and you seem to be doing well financially, but on the inside, you are spiritually bankrupt. And um, there was a famine. He's talking about a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, the Lord was still speaking, by the way. He was trying to speak and was indeed speaking through his prophet Amos. But there was a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Don't Don't miss that point. The Lord was speaking, but they had become deaf to his words. Their hearts were turned to other things, to other gods, to material things. He talks about you going through uh, the motions of religion, going through the festivals and the sacrifices, but your heart wasn't in it, and all you want to do is go back and make more money and please yourself. And, And the words of Amos are strong throughout the book. So their hearts are on other things, on material things, and they had no appetite for the things of God. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to be corrected. Amos was just intolerable in their sight. And so Paul, I, 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 I got thinking about, Paul said to Timothy, so this is, this is a long time ago, more than 2,000 years ago, and, but Paul said something similar to Timothy, that things like this would happen as the day of the Lord approaches. Look what he says in 2 Timothy 3. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Like, When you read those words, in fact, Paul goes on, I won't take the time, but Paul goes on to say later, I think in verse 7, there's going to be people in these last days who are going to be gathering information, learning and learning and learning new things, but never able to understand the truth. This is what he says. They're always learning, but never able to understand the truth. Does it not feel like we are living in times like this? We have more and more information at our disposal at the click of a button, at the snap of a finger, at, hey Siri, everything is there for us to know, but it seems like we have still a spiritual famine, a lack of wisdom and a lack of willingness to hear and have open ears to the truth, that we are walking through this motion of everything looks fine, on the outside, but on the inside, there's spiritual famine in the land. This is how it was back in the days of Amos, and I think we can see a parallel in our current world today. We have a spiritual famine going on all around us. We know and still believe that Jesus 
is the way. Come on, truth. Amen? That he's the truth, he's the life, that he's available to anybody who would just humble themselves and genuinely seek him. Then your eyes are open to the truth. Transformation begins to happen. You, be, you begin walking this, this life journey and relationship with Jesus, and things begin to change in your life. You begin to see things in a new way. Your perspective changes, and all of a sudden, truth uh, becomes alive, that people are blinded to this spiritual truth. They're, they're, they're experiencing spiritual famine and don't even know they're hungry. This is the situation we're in. As followers of Jesus, it's our calling, it's our mission, it's our co-mission with the Holy Spirit to be the salt and the light that the world needs. If we don't do something about the spiritual famine, how will it be resolved? We are here, folks. The Lord hasn't come back yet. We are here right now, 2022, in, for such a time as this. We are here. And it's not by mistake. It's not random. You are here for a reason and a purpose. And we are called to be men and women of God like this. So this prophecy of Amos is about a loss of hunger for God. It's, it's about a loss of desire for God's truth and for, and for understanding his ways. And by the way, it's a self-inflicted famine, right? This wasn't something that came on them. They brought it on themselves by making the choices that they did and by prioritizing everything else in their life above God and above seeking him and serving him and trying to understand his ways and his truth. They prioritized everything else above that. So the Bible is so filled with reminders to us all about the importance of having a spiritual hunger for God and how vital it really is, not only for ourselves, but for us to make an impact in the world. I, I won't pull up all these scriptures, but just, just quick, here's a few just uh, that you know. A few examples, like Psalm 42, as the deer pants for water, right? So I, what? Long after you, right? A, a longing for him. Psalm 63, my soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you as I live in this parched and weary land. There's a desire in our hearts for him. Psalm 27 says, one thing, one thing I desire the most is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to be with you and to be near you. There's this passion or should be passion in us to be like him and to be near him. Matthew 5, Jesus says, compare Matthew 5 to Amos chapter 8 when he says there's a spiritual famine in the land, you're prioritizing everything else but him. And Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, God will bless you and anyone who hungers and thirsts, right, for righteousness. So he's saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm right here. You, but you've got to have some want to, you've got to show some desire. And, and, if, and if we, the people of God, let our spiritual passion wane, we not only are in trouble, but we become ineffective to the world. Someone just said amen. We can't let it happen. It must burn in us, right? We must keep 
the fire burning for Jesus. See, think about, think about spiritual hunger. Um, it's different, isn't it, than, than physical hunger. Like when you're physically hungry, or as we say around our house, hangry, you know, like when you're physically hungry and then you have a really good meal, what happens? Your hunger goes away and you're satisfied. That's what happens with physical hunger. But, but the opposite sort of happens when you're dealing with spiritual hunger. When you're spiritually hungry and then you experience um, good spiritual food, you know what happens? It actually makes you hungry for more, right? This is what it does in us. So it's different. Physical hunger, we eat and we're satisfied. Spiritual hunger, we eat and it just gives us, it plants a desire in us for even more. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, the, the reality is that our hearts are so easily drawn away from, from God. Our hearts are so easily drawn to other things. We have this terrible habit, all of us, of losing our appetite for the Lord that there were days in our lives, you think about it, think about your own, in your own life, times, seasons, um, you know, moments in your life and your walk with God that you just felt so close to him. Your heart was alive. You, he talked to you and you talked to him and your closeness to him was such a beautiful thing. And why aren't you there now? Why aren't I there now? What has drawn us away? We have this terrible habit of losing our appetite for Jesus. And you know, here's the, the, the funny thing is this. If enough time passes and you're not, taking, you're not taking in spiritual nourishment, you actually lose your desire for it. Again, it's different than physical hunger. In physical hunger, if you don't eat, you just get hungrier. But with physical, uh, spiritual hunger, if you don't eat long enough, the desire seems to fade and, go, and, and it goes away. This is why it's important. Like, where we, can't, we can be spiritually malnourished. We can be apathetic, indifferent, cool. We've lost you know, where we were before. We've fallen back and we're, we can't even see it. And we don't even have a desire to get back to where we were. What is going on? See, this is why it's so important to be taking in spiritual food on a regular basis because it will stimulate your spiritual hunger. It will keep you going and keep you wanting more. That's why it's important. The more you consume, the more you'll desire it. This is what, this is what it does in us. So listen, come to church. It's important. Come to church. Sing the songs, hear the word. You know, it, even, if the, even if you think the sermon doesn't absolutely change your life, you're being fed. Every meal you eat physically doesn't blow you away, but you still appreciate the meal. And every once in a while, you have something special happens, your wife or your spouse, or you go out to a restaurant and, oh, the meal's, meal's just top of the line. You keep coming to church, you keep getting regular meals, and then every once in a while, especially in a time of need, the Holy Spirit will just do something special in you when you're sitting in his presence. So listen, we got to feed. We have to feed our spiritual hunger to keep, the, to keep it growing and to keep that flame burning. So we do things like 
come to church. We do things like join a small group and spend time with people who will encourage us. We, we are supposed to read the word. We are supposed to pray regularly. It's not just, it's not just because we're trying to be spiritual and walk through the motions. No, we're trying to keep feeding our inner person, our inner man, so to speak, our spiritual person, to make sure that, that we are alive on the inside. And the more we feed, the more we desire for, it, for more. And this is the beautiful thing. So we have to find ways to stay connected. Um, and there's lots of ways. And you're smart people, and you can figure it out on your own what works for you. But we have to find ways to stay connected. We have to find ways to input more of Jesus into our lives. So do whatever it takes to do that, but do it and do it regularly. See, we can stay spiritually strong even while we live in challenging times. Um, look at a couple of verses. First Timothy 4 says, uh, verse 6, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. Check this out. One who is, say that word with me, nourished, nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Nourished by the message of faith. Nourished by the teaching that you followed. Look at Matthew 4.4. 4. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's saying, eat bread, that's fine, but you can't live, you can't live spiritually passionate if you're not feeding the spiritual person, right? So eat the bread, but eat the living bread too. You don't live by bread alone, you eat by, by inputting spiritual things into your life. So we need regular meals of spiritual food. So all of that said, so what can we practically do? What are some basic, like simple, understandable things that we can do to stay strong ourselves and to make a difference for the people who are around us who are spiritually malnourished and maybe don't even know it? What can we do? I'm glad you've asked because I had a few thoughts on that. So here's what we can do. And I, I, I wrote down four quick things, and um, I'm going to share them with you. But understand this. I, I believe that these four things, very basic, very simple. By the way, much of preaching is, is reminding. Did you know that? Much of preaching is reminding. I'm just here to remind you of the good stuff and to remind you of what we need to be doing. And so... Here's just uh, four things, but I, I want to say this. Um, if, we, if we do these four things, just simple things, they work both ways. They'll work to keep you strong, and they'll work to help, help you be uh, uh, the light and the salt into, in, someone in someone else's life. So they work both ways. Uh, so here's number one. This is big. This is deep. This is so profound. Here's my here's first point. We must care. Care. C-A-R-E. We must care. Look at these three scripture verses, and I wanna, want you to catch what's going on here. 2 Peter 2, verse 7. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom 
because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness that he saw and heard day after day. Look at Acts 17, 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols that he saw everywhere in the city. And look at Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, this is Jesus speaking, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. We can't do much to alleviate spiritual famine around us until we have concern in us. You see, Lot, by Therothos, Lot is, is concerned and appalled by everything that's going on around him. Uh, in Acts 17, the same thing. Jesus says, right, in Matthew 23, he looks out, he, he sits on the hill and looks out over Jerusalem and longs, he's burdened, burdened for the people and for the state of their spiritual lives. He doesn't, he's not, he's not saying how I long to protect you from, you know, this or that or want to give you food like bread or fit. He's saying how I long to feed you on the inside, but you, you just won't let me. It's, it's, it's sad. And he was burdened with looking at lost people. And it struck me how can we do anything to alleviate spiritual famine around us if we don't have concern in us? Do, do, I, do I have that burden? And is that burden in me strong enough? And does it need to be stronger? If we don't care, we can't be effective for the kingdom because we don't care, right? We need the love of Christ alive and burning in us Spiritually lost people are so important to Jesus. He came, he died for them, he weeps for them, he looks over the city and wishes that they would understand how good and, and true he is. And, and, and if they're important to Jesus, if the burden and the care is there, then we have to have that too. So we need this fresh look at the world through the eyes of Jesus. We need to Stop maybe seeing people as evil or too far gone or lost or dark or a pain in the neck or difficult or get lost. Jesus looked at the hill and said, oh, how I wish I could gather you under my wings. The passion and the burden that he carried was deep. And I think for us, if we're to do anything for the kingdom in this world, in this life, we have to have that burden. We have to have that care in us. You know the, the story of the Good Samaritan? Most of you would know it. It's basically a story about a person who cared enough about a stranger. So he was walking down the road, he saw a man beat up, lying, dying in the ditch. And, and he goes out of his way to help this man. It cost him time, it cost him money, but he was willing to do it. And it just struck me again as I was thinking about a story we've heard a million times before. This is exactly like, go and do likewise. 
right? Go and do likewise. Why did the man, the Samaritan, go and help this person? Was it to, you know, make a name for himself? No. Was it to, you know, um, sort of extort him for extra cash? No. He just cared enough. He just cared enough to go help a wounded person. And whatever it cost him in time and whatever it cost him in money, he was willing to pay. And the simplicity of that, but yet the power in that is deep, isn't it? We are people who can help. We are people who need to care. When we're walking down the road of life and we see people who've gone off track and are hurting in the ditch and need help, and you go, mm, I'd like to help, but man, he's going to take a lot of my time. Oh, I say that a lot. That's, that's the truth, right? That was a transparent moment. Oh, do I have, oh, it's going to take a lot of time. Yeah, it will. And guess what? That's what Jesus would do. That's what the Good Samaritan did. Yeah, but he might ask me for money. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's going to make me uncomfortable. Maybe this is going to just, just make me do things I'm not comfortable doing. It's going to just cost me too much in emotional energy to try to support somebody like this. But if we don't, who will is the issue. We are the salt. We are the light. We must care. And so how do we relieve spiritual famine in our own life and in the lives of others? We've got to care enough to do something about it. Go and do likewise. We make a difference only when we care enough to make a difference. So that's the first one. Number two is we have to love God's word. So knowing and prioritizing scripture, it's actually a key, maybe a bigger key than people understand to actually becoming spiritually alive and to staying spiritually alive. You've got to love God's word. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 2 and 3. It says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. No. Uh, cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Cry out. I, I don't know. I don't know what your passion is for the word. It nourishes us. And he's saying, cry out for it. Look at what Jeremiah said. Here's passion for the word. Jeremiah um, 15. Put that up for me. It says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. See, God's word is not just something that we take lightly. It, it's actually, it stands as the foundation of what we're building our lives on. Someone said amen. It, it, it can't be just, uh, I can't remember, I read somewhere a long time ago, somebody said a classic book is, is usually a book that people revere but never read. And I thought, ooh, ouch, that's nasty. But, uh, but that's it. Um, God's word is the foundation of our lives, and so we need to know it, we need to love it, we need to spend time in it. Um, so it's been said, it's been said that the best way to teach your children how to eat well 
is actually uh, to eat well yourself, for them to see their mom and dad and their parents eating well, that it instills in them the value of good food and, and staying healthy, and it forms habits in their lives to not eat junk all the time, but this is, this is something important. And as you do that consistently as moms and dads, you begin to train your kids to not only eat it, but to actually enjoy it and prefer it. And so the, the best way to teach your children to eat well is to, see, is to let them see you eating well. And I thought to myself, and we're supposed to eat the word of God. We're supposed to love it. We're supposed to be passionate about it. And if we don't value and treasure the word, guess what? The next generation won't either. They won't either if we don't pass down that passion to them. They won't eat well if you don't teach them to eat well. It's on us. People are struggling with spiritual famine. They've got to be directed to the good book. They've got to be shown the bread of life. Listen, you're struggling, you're dry, you're hurting on the inside. Read this book, man. Start with John. Read Matthew. Start looking into the life of Jesus. You'll find you'll find something begins to occur on the inside because it's good spiritual food that feeds our soul. We have to direct people to the book. Don't wait for the movie. Read the book. Read the book. It's life-giving and it's eye-opening, by the way. That's one thing that I like to say about the Bible. What's the Bible? It's life-giving and it's eye-opening in all ways. And if you read it, you'll find that that's true. Look at 2 Timothy. This is what Paul said, 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. This is so important to know the word, to love the word, to prioritize the word to understand the stories and the concepts. It's important. Warren Wiersbe, who's a great pastor, teacher, he said years ago, he said, the joy of Bible study is not learning something abstract. The joy of Bible study is seeing your life changed. And he's bang on. It is life-giving and eye-opening. And when you spend time in it, it changes your life for the better. And we have to pass that love of good spiritual food on to the generation that's behind us. So that's number two. Number three quick is teach others. Teach others. So we must care. We must love God's word. And third, we've got to teach others. Remember in John 21, um, Jesus is restoring Peter after he um, had denied him three times. And he says something to Peter three times. You know, many of you know the story. He said, Peter, do you love me, right? Do you love me? Do you love me? He said that three times, but he also said something else three times. He said, and Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Then he said what? Feed my sheep. That's what he said three times. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, we all have a responsibility. Just not, it's just not the pastor teacher who has the responsibility to teach others. We all have the responsibility to teach others about the greatness of God and what Jesus has done and, and, and to share your testimony and the truth that you've begun to learn and understand. We all have that. Yes, 
Pastors should be delivering biblical sermons with proper interpretation and practical application. Our pulpits need that. We need to be giving good spiritual food from here. We don't need a TED Talk, although they're kind of cool. But we don't need a TED Talk from the pulpit. We need the power of the Word preached and taught through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what is life-giving and eye-opening and changing and convicting and encouraging. This is the word, and we've got to teach people the truth of it. Jesus is the difference maker. He's the only one that can be the difference maker in your life. So he must be taught. He must be taught with clarity. He must be taught with conviction. He must be taught with encouragement. He must be taught with hope. All of these things, all of us have that responsibility to do. So let me just say this, super practical, but be reminded that the greatest teachers in the world are parents. The greatest teachers in the world are parents. And I'll th even throw in grandparents. But parents especially. What did what Jesus said to Peter? Feed my sheep. Listen, mom and dad, you've got to feed your lambs. They're your lambs. And you're responsible to feed them. Feed them, feed them, feed them. They need to hear and to see the love of God that comes from your life and from your lips. You're the greatest teacher they'll ever have. You'll impact them in a greater way more than I could ever as a pastor. You are so important to pass this on. Look at what Deuteronomy says, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6. This is what God said. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them. This is what he says. Repeat them again and again to who? Your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates, meaning surround them with this. Let them be encompassed with it. Soak them in it. Saturate them in it. The world is going to try to steal it, but you have the responsibility to feed your lambs. Parents are always concerned about the physical feeding, right? We always want our kids to eat well. We want our kids to be healthy and to develop good habits, you know? But here it is. Don't forget to feed them eternal spiritual food. This is the stuff that will satisfy them and last a lifetime. It is life-giving and eye-opening. It is transformational truth that we must teach them. Teach them the stories. Teach them the stories about God's greatness. Talk about what Jesus has done for the world. Talk about what Jesus has done in you and the difference he's made in your life. Teach them. Talk to them. You are the greatest teacher, the most powerful influencer that, that they will ever have. And people think, you know, good or bad, we're all teaching. We're all teaching. And so we have to understand that this is a powerful truth. How are we going to solve spiritual famine? Well, how about we start with our own lambs? 
How about we make that a priority and make sure that the truth of Jesus is planted deep within their spirit. And even when they wander, there will be a time, come on, there will be a time when the Holy Spirit will begin to speak and the truth that was planted in their hearts years ago will come back and Jesus uses it to draw people back to themselves. How many times have we heard, I went to Sunday school, my mom and dad taught me the lessons, I walked away from God, I got into drugs and trouble, addiction and all kinds, my life was a mess, but in my lowest moment, I began to remember the stories of the Bible that my mom used to tell me. I remember what God did, and it gave me hope, and my life turned around. You see it again and again and again. It's, it's seeds that are planted deep and the word is so clear that it will never return void. There's power in it. So we have to plant those seeds in our lambs. I, I didn't even mean to say all that, but somebody, we, I guess we just needed to say it. But feed our lambs. You're so concerned about feeding them broccoli and carrots and peas and beans. And that's a good thing. But man, feed them, teach them. That will feed the inner spiritual person. Lastly, so we have to care. How do we make a difference in a world where we're surrounded by spiritual famine, in our own life or in the lives of others? We've got to care. We've got to love God's word. We've got to teach it to others, number three. And lastly, we have to tell others. We have to tell people about this. To ease the spiritual famine around us, we have to give out the bread of life. How will people know unless they hear, the word says, right? How will they know unless, unless we go? How will they know how powerful and awesome Jesus is unless we say something? Look at these verses, John 6, 35. Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And First uh, uh, Peter, look at that one. First Peter 3.15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Be prepared to give an answer for the faith that lies in you. And you know how people ask? I know sometimes, depending on our personality, I know talking to others about Jesus and spiritual matters, it can be, it can be difficult. Other people are gifted in it, and more people that are introverted, it's, it's a little bit difficult. But I know this. When we live for Jesus, and we're passionate about the Lord, there's something in our life that's different. There's an attraction, and questions will come and say, how come you're like this? Or how come you don't do this? Or how come you used to do this, but now you don't do this anymore? What's up with you? How come you seem different? And even to an introvert, it opens a door to say, let me tell you about a savior named Jesus and what he's done in my life. We've got to tell people. Someone said, amen. We've got to tell people. We, we have to turn the tide and we turn the tide of spiritual famine just one person at a time. Just make that dent of one person at a time. 
You know, we want to win the world, of course. We want thousands, millions to hear his name. But how about we just start with one? How about let's just start? We've got to tell others and let his, let his passion be in us. And it will open doors where we can give witness and give answers to what he's done in us. You see, you can't deny a changed life. You can't argue somebody who is different than they used to be. You just can't argue that. And so it's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing when our lives are changed and we're able to tell others about Jesus. So we've got to share him. We've got to give the word, the bread of life, to people who are hungry. He is the world's only hope in these last days. There is no hope but Jesus, honestly. There's no person, there's no government, there's no job, there's no relationship. Nobody's going to give you the hope of eternal life. There's only one. Come on, and his name is. It's only Jesus. Jesus. We've got to make a big deal about Jesus. Say his name. Talk to people about him. If he's alive and well, and he's touched your life and changed you, you have a story that can impact the lives of others. And as opportunity arises, speak his name. Speak his name. Jesus is the greatest person we know. And he's the greatest message that we could ever share. It's all about Jesus. We have many people in our lives and all around us who are experiencing, who are experiencing spiritual famine. They are starving on the inside and don't even know it. But he has given us the living bread to share with those who are willing to listen. And he says, if you would eat my bread, if you would drink this, you would never be hungry or thirsty again. There's a satisfaction that comes when we begin to understand the power of Jesus. He said in John chapter 6, he said, Jesus said these words, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food and clothes, but spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. That's where our energy needs to be in these last days. None of us will deny that we are living in challenging days. None of us will deny that we have spiritual famine, we have spiritual confusion, we have darkness, we have, we have much peril all around us. But yet, here we are, men and women of God, filled with the Spirit, people who can give hope, who have experienced, we are nothing but sinners, saved by grace, who can only share what the good Lord Jesus has done for us. That's all we're required to do, but we are required to do it. We must tell others about him. Spend your energy seeking eternal life. Spend your energy looking for ways to impact people spiritually. Don't, yes, it's good to give food, and we do, and it's good to give clothes, and we appreciate all the ministries and the missions and all the things that we do that feed and practically help people. It's important, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's not the end. We feed bread, and then we want you to know the living bread. Amen? This is where we're at. We have to give people spiritual food, and may God increase our appetite for him. 
It starts with us. May God increase our appetite for him so that we can be like the spiritual relief workers, right? Who not just bring food and clothes, but bring spiritual food to those who are spiritually starving. It is on us. We are the kingdom of God. We are the representatives of the kingdom of God. We have everything we need to live this life in fullness and power. If we would dig in, say, Lord, solve my problem first. And David said, my soul longs for you like a deer pants for water on a dry, hot day. If my soul doesn't long for you like that, Lord, then begin that process in me first. Make me alive. Help me to love you and to want you and to feed my, my spiritual you know, my spiritual soul. Help me, Lord. And, and as you do, as you do, you'll be a more effective person to eliminate spiritual famine all around you in the lives of others. So four very practical things. Care. Love the word of God and put it in your soul. Teach others, as your children and everyone you can, the stories and the beauty of Jesus. And be committed when opportunity arises to speak his name and to tell others how good he is. This is the only way, it's the only way we can resolve and solve the spiritual famine and the spiritual confusion that's all around us. We must speak the truth. We must speak the truth in love. We must give the words of life and the bread of life. We must find ways to impact people who are spiritually starving, even if they don't think they are. It's on us. And I believe that there are great days ahead. Jesus hasn't come back yet, so there is work to be done. Amen? We're we're praying for an awakening, a turning in our land, that as... As, as, as the days move forward, we will see the river of God flow. We will know the wind of his spirit. We will see him alive and well and active in us. There has been many words spoken even over our church and over our country about what the Lord is going to do. And we say yes and amen to everything that the Lord has. May the enemy be defeated and may the kingdom of God come. And we want to be a part of it. We want to be in it. We want to be right in the river, right in the flow of what he's doing. And so today, be reminded, there is spiritual famine all around us, but you are a man or a woman of God. You have the Holy Spirit, you have the words of life, and you have the bread of life. Let's go out and make a difference in a hungry... You've been listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Alternatively, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or on YouTube. Thanks for listening and have a great week.